Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches. Wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and thank you so much for joining me today. This is your girl, Sonya McQueen, with your mind, your body, your choice. Today I was out. Um, some of you might know I'm planning a half a marathon in August, and I was out doing my light day today, which is seven miles of walking and running. And um, it started sprinkling along my, I was probably at mile two, but I walk a two and a half mile block. So, which means literally I was a half a mile from my house. And it was just spitting a little bit. And I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know if you're telling me I should end this walk and go home because there's something I should be doing. Or if this is just, you know, I'm, I'm in South Florida, a little quick rain shower and because as as soon as it started within two minutes it was done it was just a little spit 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 so as I was walking I started to hit the block and I thought you know what father God if it is meant for me to turn and go home because I did not want to be stuck in a rain shower um, give me a sign any sign you know and and I'm not saying this for you non-religious people to start Oh my gosh, this is going to be a religious show. It's not, but I am a very spiritual person. So I will talk about my Lord and Savior, and I don't feel any kind of negative way about it. I love him, and he has showed me time and time again he loves me. So I just wanted a sign, and I started walking again, and I picked up my phone to text my husband to see if he had left the house already to ask him to bring me an umbrella. When I picked it up, it was 9:17. That's always a sign for me because that's my birthday. It was 9.17 when I called him and he had already left. I thought, okay, Lord, I, I hear you loud and clear. That's a sign. But then I thought, a sign for what? So I said, Lord, I'm confused. It's a sign that all is good because I feel as though my birthday's a good day. All is good and to keep, you know, walking or you're showing me a sign to go home. And as soon as I asked that question, it started raining again. To me, that meant it's a sign to go home. So I headed home, and I promise you guys, two things happened. Number one, it started raining hard. And number two, I got a phone call. I have a, a doctor's appointment today at 2.30, and they asked me, could I come in three hours early, which is no problem for me. So now I'm home. I'm not committed, you know, to the whole seven miles for the day. I can finish that at any time, but it gives me the ability to not only be home out of the rain, but to get ready. I, I believe in those signs. And you know, sometimes we ask for signs and, and clarification, and it's clearly given to us, but when it's not what we wanted to hear or see, we ask for it again and again and again and again. I heard something yesterday that was so profound to me that you know, you can ask for God, you know, I, I want a new house. I want a new house. And he will give you a good paying job with great benefits. And he'll give you this platform and he'll put these great people in your life. And you've missed it all because you thought he was going to drop a house down from the sky. And you're like, why am not I not getting what I prayed for? I've been faithful, I've been good, and I asked for a house, and you haven't given it to me. But you missed the fact you now have a job making $20,000 more, and you're doing okay making that $60,000, but now you're making eighty, dollars and you could be putting that money aside. And you missed the fact that you have these great benefits as to where they were taking out $300 a paycheck, now they're only taking out 50. So that's more money that could be going towards this beautiful house you want. You miss all those signs. Today's topic is depression and the signs we miss with it. I had a friend call me yesterday. Her, her grandson committed suicide and immediately my heart broke because I'm going to say the majority of the world fights depression at one point or another and some of us we sit down and we recognize it for what it is and we're able to 
look at where it's coming from and, and how we ended up feeling the way we feel and we're able to make the necessary changes um, and, and know when those signs hit us again what we need to do to be able to combat those signs and, and those tears of depression and come out of it and be a better person for it. But everybody's not so blessed. Some people have to go get professional help and there's no shame in that. I think everybody needs some kind of professional help at one time or another. One point of your life, you need somebody. I don't even care if it's not somebody with a PhD, DMD, dot anything before or after their name. You know, it can be a good person that God has placed in. I call them references. God places references in your life even for a season or reason or a lifetime as, as the saying goes, but he places those references for a reason. Somebody you can talk to and you can firmly vomit things, but not overwhelmingly. And they're able to help you see your way through, you know? So then that's, there's, there's another set that they don't come out of it. And people don't recognize what it is. They think this person is a pain in the ass. You know, they're, they're just, oh, I'm so tired of this person and their issues. And this person never seeks help. And it leads to them acting out in one way or another. Whether it be drugs, alcohol, suicide. Hurting other people. Because as they say, hurt people hurt people. You know, depression can lead to so many things. Anxiety, suicide, abuse. You giving it or you accepting it. You know, children, you know, I, I, I lost my way with these um, talks. It started off being what other people sent me, but lately, and, and this is not to defer people from sending me stuff, please do, because eventually the Lord's going to show me, okay, it's time to move on, but right now he keeps downloading me, me, into these engagements here on this podcast, and letting me know this is my therapy. I told my friend yesterday, this is my therapy. I didn't even know this was going to be therapeutic for me. I thought it was going to be therapeutic for one or two other people, but this is so relevant for me it is lightening my heart in ways you guys could not imagine i'm gonna finish this and i'm gonna tell you quickly about what happened to me this past weekend so um i was walking today and uh, today's a light day for me so the seven miles and at a mile and a half about approximately it, it just started spitting a little bit just a little bit of rain and so I thought oh my gosh you know I'm, I'm a natural girl but my hair is straight right now I flat ironed it and I thought oh my goodness you know um Lord I don't know if this is an indication I should finish this two and a half mile block because I walk a two and a half mile block and head home or if this is just a little kiss you're giving me to cool me down I don't know but Father God, you know, please give me another sign. So I kept walking and, and the spitting stopped. When I say spitting, I mean the rain. It stopped. And I thought, let me let me call my husband to see if he's left the house yet for work. Because if he hadn't, I was going to say, hey, you know, hey, love, I'm, I'm on this walk. Please bring me one of the umbrellas. I called him. He had already left. I hung up. And then I thought about it. I picked up the phone. Again, I was going to check the weather again. And my first indication for my prayer was the time was 9.17. That's always a sign for something for me because that's my birthday. And quite often I'll pick up my phone or I'll look at the time or I'll stop or somebody will send me something right at 9.17. And I always take that as an indication. So I felt good. I was like, okay, Lord, I see you. I see you. But then I thought, wait, wait, Lord. I asked them, is this a sign that I could continue my walk because 917 is such a good thing? 
or it's good for me to go ahead and head home. I, I don't know, Lord, and I asked for another sign. It started spitting again. I got you, Lord. I walked home. I was about a half mile from my house by then. I made it home no problem. As soon as I hit this door, I kid you not, two things happened. Number one, it started raining. I just started laughing. I was like, look at my God. I sat down. I logged into work because, of course, I'm late. I work from home and, you know, I, this is what I do. So I log in. I'm sending an email. My phone rings. I have a doctor's appointment today at 2.30. They asked me could I come in three hours early. I smiled again. No problem. I'm not out there sweating and huffing and puffing. I wanted to go early in the first place because I want to get my, my day. I'm an early morning person. So I want to get my exercise out of the way. I want to get everything out of the way. If I have any kind of appointment, I want to get it all out of the way. My nail appointment. Um, if I got to get my hair cut, everything, I'm an early morning person. So I felt, I listened to the sign. I listened, I asked the question. I was very aware and attuned to his direction. I followed it and I didn't get drenched. If we only listened and looked at the signs more often, all of us, and I don't even mean our own signs, our children's signs, our children show us the direction they're going in so, sometimes. Me and my husband watch um, a lot of TV, uh, real real life TV. And I've said that before, not, not like these housewife shows or um, shows about people's lives. We don't watch that stuff. I mean forensic files and why did I marry an axe murderer and... Um, fear their, thy neighbor and stuff. And I watched these shows about my child was uh, my child was a murderer or something like that. And it shows these children who murder people or they become mass murderers or they do all these things. And every last show, there were signs that these parents ignored. And these parents, there is one show you guys, this lady's son, she was scared to death of her son. At seven years old, he done pulled a knife out on her. You know, threatening her as a child, not even in double digits yet. She's scared to death of her son. He's doing all this stuff, all this stuff. And then what does he do? He becomes an adult and she's still scared of him. Then he murders somebody. And you know the first thing she said? Not my son. Not my son. I could not believe. And me and my husband are looking at each other like she can't believe. She was scared of him. As a seven-year-old, she was scared of him. There were signs. And we ignore these signs. Children do not pick up all the time. They know sometimes they're scared of their parents. They know they're scared of their uncle. They don't want to go around their uncle because... The uncle's going to say, take off your clothes. They don't want to go straight home because they know their drunk daddy is going to punch them in the face for being two minutes late. They, they don't want to go around their grandma because grandma's just going to lock them in a room and tell them to stay there until their mom or daddy comes and gets them. They know these things, but they don't quite grasp the abuse part of it. They don't. I was emotionally, mentally abused and I didn't recognize that. I just knew my dad's wife hated me. I just knew she hated me. That's it. Didn't really wonder why and as any child I yearned for the day she would just tell me, hey, it's all right and start being nice to me. I would have accepted that with open arms. It wouldn't have been, you know what, I gotta watch her sideways. It would have brought so much joy to my life. I would have let all those negative things she said about me and did to me go like that, just for a second of love, which I never got. And as an adult, I think, wow, it's amazing. I really would have went for that, just to be loved. But we miss that. 
We miss that as kids. We don't understand that. We just know we don't want that negativity and we're scared of it and we try to avoid it. And we're happy when a day misses us of hurt and pain. Other people don't see that. And then you grow up and you're carrying all that hurt and pain and you act a certain way because of it. And people judge you by the way you act, but they don't know your backstory. They don't know. They don't know that almost every day for five years, Uncle Willie molested you, whether you're a man or a woman. They don't know that you used to get beat on a regular wood extension cord just for breathing. They don't know that your dad used to leave you with any and everybody all the time to do whatever they wanted to with you, whether it be mental, mental abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, whatever. They don't know that you were raised in a house of people who spiritually abused you. They, they worshiped outside of the Lord and they put you as a part of that. They believed in sacrificing uh, animals or people or whatever it is. They don't know these things. All they do is see you now as this negative or immature or needy person because they don't know. And because they don't know, they judge you on what they see. And you cannot even blame them sometimes. You can't blame them. But us as adults, we got to become better. We have to ask the hard questions sometimes if it's somebody we claim to care about. You know, Sonia, why do you reject my hugs? Why do you reject when I tell you I love you? You're like, okay, 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 I got to go. What is it about me telling you I love you that bothers you so much? Why is it when somebody gives you too much love, you push them away, you get rid of them? And you come up with a reason to feel vindicated for doing so. Why, why this behavior? I care about you. I care to know. Instead, a lot of us just look and say, boy, Sonia, she's, she's a complete mess. Try to give her love. She pushes it away. I don't know. I guess she thinks she's too good for us. About four or five years ago, I had a really good friend, so I thought she was a good friend. Um, you know, we used to do things together. I, I had this uh, meeting I would have monthly. It was a motivational mo meeting, monthly meeting, motivational monthly. I also put out a newsletter called Monthly Motivation, and a lot of great people wrote for this newsletter, and we would send it out for free. It was for churches to put in their foyer for people to be able to take. We sent it out via email to anybody who wanted it. And there were so many people who wanted that newsletter. And I am going to start it again. It was a great thing we did. Um, but this friend of mine would come to these meetings. She would come to my home. We would have lunch together. You know, I, I would pick up her kids for her sometimes and take them to her home. And this is years. Years, you know, we were friends. And one day, it was a really bad day. I woke up and my mom told me, I, I woke up to a message. I can't remember how it happened, if it was the night before, but my aunt was really, really sick. And um, someone died. It wasn't my aunt that was sick, but somebody died. And it was just a bad night. And I woke up and the next day I was really quiet and I had my headphones on. And I guess she walked by my desk. This is before I became her manager, which was even worse. And she must have said morning or something, but she said it on the go. She didn't stop and talk to me. She said it on the move, and I didn't speak back, but I had headphones on. So she got to her desk, and I guess she said it again from her desk, which was three desks in front of mine, cubicles. So, of course, I didn't hear her again. I've, I've got music playing in my ears. So instead of coming to me to see what was bothering me, hey, you know, I spoke to you like a friend would do. She said to a mutual friend of ours, I don't know what her problem is. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak to her anymore. 
I'm not going to speak to her. Nobody has time for this. You know, something like that. And the other person was like, well, whoa, that's not Sonia's normal behavior. And she was like, well, I spoke to her twice, and she ignored me. So I don't have nothing to say to her. And she went on about her day. Now, the mutual friend, it was about later on in the day, her and I were talking, and I told her I, I had a really bad night, a really bad night, and I'm really tired. So she asked what happened, and I told her. She let me know. You know what? Let, let the other person know. Let her know because she thinks you're upset with her. And I said, upset with her for what? <laughs> upset with her for what? You know, I just had a bad night. Well, she spoke to you twice. I said, she didn't speak to me today. And then I thought, oh, you know what? This morning I was listening. But the whole point is, this is somebody you've known me for a couple of years now. You know that's not my character. Instead of checking on me, you made an assumption and decided, I'm going to give you what I think you're giving me. That is not a friend. Let me tell you something. When somebody is your friend, they care about you. They check on you. When your behavior is different, they try to talk to you and figure out why. But they don't turn their back on you and they don't talk about you. So many kids go through that. It is hard being a child. It is hard trying to be popular or keep friends or, or not joining in gossip. You know how many people care about a friend and somebody else is just dogging them out and they don't defend that person out of fear. Now that person will talk about them. Forget the kids. Adults do that. We have to be there for each other because depression is real, y'all. It is so real. And instead of talking about people, let's talk to one another. Find out what's going on with each other. Let's talk to these children and help them find their way. Because if we as adults don't help them and we see they're lost, they will continue on that path and stay lost. Now there's some people, there's not a lot you can do but be there for them. You know, I, I've known people to go through, they're getting help, they, they're getting the psychiatry, they're getting the therapy, they're medicated, which is another story. This medication leads you sometimes to needing more medication, which makes you sadder than you were, which leads you to a deeper depression. But that's my opinion. They're going through everything and they still stay depressed. They still stay depressed. You know, there is no medication for mental illness. I can't say that enough. There's medication to numb it. There's medication to, to, to make you high. You know, these op opioids, op opioids, you know what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. There's those things. But there is no medication. My husband just said this yesterday. And my friend said it yesterday too. There's no medication for mental illness. The best thing for somebody who's mentally ill is sometimes to put them in a structure where people can care for them 24-7. Or make sure they're constantly getting the therapy they need. Maybe there is a medication for some to help them. But overall, there's no medication to cure a mental illness. I, I can't say that enough. So you guys tread because I know for me, I went through so much and I didn't go through near enough. Well, not near enough. I went through too much, but nearly as much as some other people. Not nearly. I listen to other people's stories and I'm like, oh my gosh. But by the grace of God, you're still here. So what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to help the next generations and stop these generational curses in your family? Are you going to join some organization and help other kids so that they can see their way through? And you can say, I've been there, done that. This is what I did to turn my life around. Or are you just going to hold that in and know, well, 
I went through this, that, this, and that, but I don't want to share my story with anybody, so I don't want nobody to judge me by my past. That's not what you're supposed to do with surviving. When you survive, you help the next person. You play it forward. You play it forward. You become a foster parent to that child who was sexually molested. And you show them all adults aren't like that. All people aren't like that. Here's unconditional love. I'm giving you agape love because you deserve better. They were wrong. I've been there. This is my story. And this is how I overcame. And this is what you can be. You go to those schools and you say, hey, hey, superintendent, this is what I've been through, but I got an education. And I'd like to talk to your school, to some of your kids. Let me be a counselor here. Let me be a, a coach. You go to those churches. Because if the church is doing what it's supposed to, it's supposed to be there for the community. Not for a platform, for a preacher or a pastor to have people follow them and they're doing wrong. And it's okay. Because I'm gonna tell y'all, everybody's not led. Some are just saying, hey, I'm gonna be a preacher. And they doing all the wrong stuff and people know it and still follow them. They know they're a whoremonger and will probably sleep with them and know when they're married and still follow them and know they're not doing a thing for the community, just lining their own pockets with the money they're getting, buying airplanes and mansions and trying to figure out which expensive car to drive. Am I going to drive my Bentley, my Rose? <laughs> but the community's suffering and they're starving and they're hungry, but they're believing in this person because they're talking better but they're not showing them or giving them better be careful who you give your time and energy to be careful who you give your time and energy to because you can't always get it back and the road they lead you down sometimes is a road of hell they might not have a hell to put you in or a heaven to send you to but they can surely hold your hand and skip with you while you're on your way too either location remember that so I wanted to share a little bit with you about what happened to me and you know I don't know I don't think anybody from my family listens to this and if they do this might irritate somebody but I'm okay with that because this is my truth I never lie to you guys um, my mom had an outpatient surgery Tuesday this past Tuesday and um my mom had surgery before my aunt called me and had me thinking my mom was on the brink of death and I was scared to death and I was mad at the same time because she had already had the surgery, went in the hospital and nobody called me and told me. She had already been through all that before my aunt called me to question why I wasn't there. I can't be somewhere nobody tells me. So I was very, very, very upset that um, Nobody even thought it important enough to let me know that my mom was going through that. So this time I knew she had outpatient surgery, but I was going to be there. So I bought a plane ticket. I flew there. My daughter picks me up from the airport. I rent a car and I go to my mom's house. So the first day I'm there, I get to her house about seven at night. My mom talked and talked and talked. She talked from seven until midnight. And anybody who knows me knows sleep is important to me. But I listened to my mom. And we watched two basketball games. And my body was shutting down because I didn't sleep well the night before. My flight was early in the morning. And, and you know, I got there. And I spent time with my daughter first. Waited for my grandkids to get home. Spent time with them. Then went to my mom's house. Um, my daughter cooked for me. She made me some vegetable soup, which was delicious but spicy. And I went and checked on my mom. She had ate. So she talked, 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 talked. I finally was able to lay down at about 12.30. About 1 o'clock in the morning, my mom comes bursting in the door, talking about a water bottle she found. It startled me. And I'm the type, if you startle me when you wake me up, and you wake me up, it's hard for me to go back to sleep. So I was up. You know, I was up. I was up at 1, 2. 
around three something, I finally fell back asleep. But then the neighbor is ringing the doorbell at 6.30 because he parks in my mom's driveway and I park behind him. Now, when I parked behind him when I first got to her house, he was standing outside being nosy, coming to run to try to help me. I'm telling him, I'm good, I'm good. You know, my, my mom comes to the door, my mom tells him, your wife gonna kill you about always trying to follow my daughter around. And you know, he's he he ha ha. So I shut the door. I opened it again and I told him, I said, hey, are you going to need your car from my mother's driveway? He's like, no, I'm good, I'm good. So I shut the door. Now he's waking us up at 6.30 for me to move my car so he can go to work. Aggravating to me. You guys know I probably wanted to go off on him. I told my mom, when I get up, I'm going to put on my exercise clothes because she wanted me to hurry up for him. I said, I'm not hurrying up for him. I'm going to put on my stuff because I asked the man. So I got up. I got dressed to go work out. Mind you, I've only had a couple hours of sleep. I'm exhausted. I've traveled. So I go ahead. I put on my stuff. I go to a place called Unity Village in Lee Summit, Missouri. And um, I have a seven and a half mile walk. They're very steep inclines at Unity Village. So when I'm walking up those inclines, my feet are actually slipping. They're that steep. I feel like somebody should be pulling me by a rope to get them up. But when I'm coming down, I can't walk down them. I have to run down them. There's no way you have to trot down them. So seven and a half miles of that my body was tired. In Florida, I'm walking on flat surfaces all the time. There are no hills here. So after that, I go, I call my mom, see if she's hungry. She is. I pick her up some food. I also go shopping for her some things at Target. Go back to her house, give her her food. I got myself a salad. I eat with my mom. She's talking. We're talking. I finally tell her I got to go take a shower. I get in the shower. I come out, I speak to her some more. I've got to go shopping with my daughter. I know this is long, but I tell my mom I got to go. I got to go pick up my daughter. I'm already an hour and a half late. Pick up my daughter. We go to Ikea. I'd never been in Ikea. That sucker was huge. We walked the entire store, which again was over a mile. So we walk the store. We get some stuff. We go back to her house. We're putting this stuff together. I wait for the grandkids. They come home. I'm playing with them. You guys. I'm operating off of a little more than two hours of sleep. So I had already told my mom that day. I kept telling her how exhausted I was. I get back to my mom's, um, make sure she had dinner. My daughter did cook for me again, I think. Um, get back to my mom's exhausted. I shower, I come out, my mom's just talking, 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 talking. So I go to the, the guest bedroom. She's in there talking, talking, talking. I'm so exhausted. I was like, Mom. And she kept saying in between there how tired she was. I just want her to lay down and I definitely want to go to sleep. And I was like, Mom, I'm tired. You're tired. Go lay down. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I said, Mom, you already told me 10 times you're tired. Long story shorter, she gets upset with me because I want to rest and I want her to rest. So she goes to her room with an attitude. So after a few minutes, I'm thinking, you know, my mom wanted me to do her hair. Let me braid her hair up before I go to sleep. I go to her room. She tells me to get away from her. Get away from me. Get away from me. I was like, Mom, you wanted me to do your hair. She had a Bible on her lap, reading Matthew. She takes the Bible off her lap, throws it on her bed. Oh, now you want to talk to me. Get out of here. Get, get out of here. So I look at her. I shake my head. I say, okay, Mom. I leave her room, I go lay down, I get some decent sleep. I got about seven hours of sleep, wake up the next morning. The rental car is due, and I've already been at my mom's two nights, so it was my plan to spend the next three nights at my daughter's house. So I put my luggage in the car, I walk into my mom's room, she's lying there with her eyes wide open, and I say, oh, you're awake. She goes, no. So I smile. And I said, Ma, um, you want me to do your hair? I don't want you to do nothing for me. And I said, Mom, I don't know why you're so mean. She instantly says, shut up. You see that door go through it. Get out of here. And I looked at her. I said, I'm going to leave. 
I said, but before I leave, I just want to tell you, you know, number one, I'm so sorry I was tired and I wanted us to both get rest. You weren't tired. You don't know what tired is, this and that. And I looked, you know, she's still not looking at me. She's looking straight up at the ceiling. And I said, all right, mom, well, I'm going to go ahead and go. I love you. Mm-hmm. I said, and, and I'm grateful I came to help you. You didn't come for me. You came to be in the streets. I said, no problem. And I leave. Two things happened. Number one, I was proud of myself for the way I handled that. Because back in the day, I just would have left. I just would have left. And probably wouldn't have spoke to my mom for a month or two. But the second thing that happened was, plainly, God showed me why some of the things I do, I do. Why I don't like any kind of confrontation or for anybody to be upset with me. Why I have the ability to listen to gospel music and be mad. Why I can be driving, belting out some Yolanda Adams and somebody cut me off and I curse them out. In my head now, I don't follow people anymore. But it showed me, I was like, there it is. I started thinking back all my life how we would go to church and after church my mom would be angry. How my mom would be on the phone on a Sunday belting some Shirley Caesar, but on the phone gossiping. And this is not to insult my mom in any kind of way because I love my mom, but it showed me something generational I've been through. Because after that, my brother sends me a text and lets me know, hey, you know, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're with your daughter and your grandkids, but I'm worried about mom. She had this surgery and the doctors told her to rest this and that. So it let me know my mom called people to let them know whatever story she gave. So I text my brother back and said, huh, well, the reason I came down was to help mom so she could rest and give you and my other brother a break. I said, but no problem. Thank you. He responds, I'm coming down. He lives a, a couple hours away from my mom. I'd like to see you tomorrow. Okay, I'd love to see my brother. I love my brothers. So I asked him where, and he wrote back mom's house. I wrote him back and said, Greg, the reason I left mom's house is because she was mad at me because I wanted her to rest and I was tired. She wanted to talk and I just, I was tired. You know, I hadn't had any sleep and she asked me to leave her home. Knowing mom's personality, it would not please her for me to come back so soon. I think he thought about it and he wrote back, mom is mean and spoiled. And he told me his own story about what she did to them, which was the almost exact same as what she did to me. And he said, so don't pay her any mind. See you tomorrow. I got to my mom's house the next morning before my brother. I got there about 9.30. He wasn't there yet. She opens the door. She was like, um, like, um, it's you. And she said, hi, Sonia. I tried to kiss her. She rejected my kiss. I went on about everything. I started cleaning her house, just talking to her normal. Didn't bring up anything. And sure enough, she started acting like my mom. Said that to say, it's embedded in my mom also to act that way because as my brother said when he was there, Mom, remember how Grandma used to curse you out in the way she treated you? That's exactly how you treat us. I'll accept my other brother, but me and the brother who was there, this is exactly how you treat us. You get mad, you don't want to hear nothing, you don't want to talk, you want us out of here for the simplest things because we're tired, because we don't feel like sitting and talking, because we brought you a baked pork chop instead of a fried one, whatever it is. And all I could think was, there it is. I am seeing fully in broad light why I have some of the actions I have. Why I hate to be wrong because when I'm wrong, that means somebody else is right and they're looking at me like I don't know anything. And they, they, I don't mind learning new things, but sometimes when I have a disagreement with somebody and I'm wrong in the past, it was hard for me to admit that because I want people to see me as good all the time. I don't want them to see the bad in me. And I feel like being wrong is me being bad, if that makes sense to anybody. I'm learning now it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to say, dang, I was wrong. 
I do that so much now and I feel good when I say that. Man, I was wrong. You're right. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. And I smile about it now because I feel comfortable doing it now. But I've seen so many of my generational curse things shown right, right in real time to me. The Bible in her lap. The being mad and angry. How are you mad and angry reading the Lord's Word? How are you mad and angry listening to somebody sing to you? They're, they're delivering a message to you via song. And you're missing it all. And I've been there, done that. There it is. There it is. So when you see things like that in your life. And you're in a good mood. And somebody comes around you and they're angry and they're talking to you in a bad way. And this is the same person who's always done that. There it is. That's why I'm like that. Don't join in on them. Don't become angry now. Now you're mad and they've taken away all that joy you had. I wrote this in one of my books, but do not let people take the joy that they didn't bring you. If they didn't bring that joy to you, how dare you allow them to take it away? You go on the job, you go on the job, and you're in a good mood. You had a great morning. You're in a great mood. And a co-worker suddenly tells you something you don't like. Now you're upset. And it bothers you. And your whole demeanor changed. That's nothing but the devil coming in, trying to take that joy away, and you gave it to him gladly. What you do is you say, okay, that's your opinion. And you go on about your happiness. Because now, not only did the devil not get his way, that co-worker who was being led didn't get their way. And now they're upset because, dang, I didn't get her that away. Dang, I didn't get him that away. They're upset, but you're still happy because you've seen it for what it was. So many of us let people change our moods that mean nothing in our lives. Total strangers, people we don't break bread with. We don't sit next to them. We don't go to sleep with them at night. We didn't raise them, but yet and still we let them take our joy. Do not give people the opportunity to take your joy that didn't give it to you in the first place. We're crazy doing that. And we do it on repeat, which means we're insane. I know I've been insane. I know I've been in a great mood and came home. And even my husband, he can question me about something. And instead of me understanding, he's just trying to get clarification or something. I instantly get upset because I don't like to be questioned because of my background. You know, and now I'm upset. And he doesn't understand why. So now he's wondering, well, what did I do? And I can't even really explain. Well, I can't explain it because it was so simple, but it upset me so much because of my background. The simplest things we've got to change about ourselves. If you have the ability to change it, start right now. I always say it's never too late. I am 52 years old and steady recognizing quality traits I have that need to be changed. And it's not an overnight thing. I said it before, I still drive in traffic and somebody cuts me off and I say something under, boy, but I let it go now. As opposed to back in the day, somebody cutting me off and then flipping me off or something, me following them home. Not even thinking of the consequences once we get out of those cars. You know, just angry, just angry. I think now and I let stuff go I let stuff go I think when my husband asked me a question I answer and he's like oh okay but that's simple but before I would be angry how dare he question me how dare he question me ask me questions how dare but now it's oh okay it's because blah 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 Okay, and my husband is even the type he say, oh, okay, well, don't do that no more. I might do it, I might not, you know, not to defy him, but if it's embedded in me, you know, it could be something simple. I might do it again, but if my husband's not going to say anything to hurt me, 
So let me let me say this, and it has nothing to do with your rearing or anything, but if you're in a relationship where that person's trying to hurt you mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever, if they say things purposely, like let's say right now, um, I'm a size eight. When I met my husband, I was a size six. I'm a size eight. I, for me, have unnecessary fat um, that I'm working towards getting rid of. Now, if my husband said to me, man, you know, you, you're fat. When I met you, you weren't that fat. You're just fat. You know, you quit eating. Why don't you have more salads? If he spoke like that to me, that is not somebody who was brought in my life, delivered to me now. I should be able to tell him, hey, that, that's hurtful. Q, don't, don't do that. That's hurtful. It hurts my feelings. You know, it makes me feel bad. Don't talk to me like that. And he should say, I'm sorry. I don't go through that, though. My husband would be happy if I probably gained a few more pounds because he likes a little jiggle. But that's a different story. Uh, he definitely does not like the fact that I want to um, tone up so much because he, he likes me just the way I am. And he's definitely not that type of husband. He's the type of something's bothering him. He wants to sit down and he wants to talk about it so we can come to a mutual understanding. That is hard for me because I didn't come from a background where people sat and talked and came to a mutual understanding. You just do what you do. Nobody questions it. Nobody says anything about it. You do what you do. But he likes to communicate. I'm coming around. If you have the kind of relationship where somebody's just badgering you or putting you down or, or telling you, I hit you because of your actions, what? get out of there. Try your best. I understand sometimes it's not as easy as I'm saying it is, but I've done it. I have left a relationship with nothing but my clothes and my child stuff and said, you can have it all because things can be replaced. My life and my sanity cannot be replaced. It cannot be replaced. You treat me any kind of way, and my child is seeing this. My child is not going to grow up thinking some man can treat him any kind of way. That ain't happening. I will leave your butt in a second. If my husband right now decided he start, wanted to start putting his hands on me, he wouldn't have to worry about a thing in this house. He can have it all. He can have it all. But he definitely can't have me. If he decided one day he hated my kids and they're grown and he's wanted to start talking to them and telling them they can't come to our house and they're not welcome this and that, he can have this house. Praise the Lord, I got the man that, the God, that God sent to me. I have my Boaz. I have a good husband, a good godly husband. And once again, this is not about God. These podcasts are not. I just love them and I don't mind saying it on repeat and I know what he's done for me and I know where he's brought me from but I got a long way to go you guys and there's no shame in that what I tell you guys is true so let me reiterate because I just realized I'm at almost 50 minutes and I got a doctor's appointment and I haven't showered yet so you guys play it forward our youth need us they need us desperately they are drowning. You've got single parents who leave their kids home because they're doing the best they can to take care of that household. You got 10-year-olds taking care of their seven, five, and two-year-old siblings because mom or dad or both have to take care of the house so we can live. The price of everything is high now and it's hard for so many families. Stand in the gap, stand in the gap. Be that adopted auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, sister, brother for those kids. Go to those schools. Go to those agencies where kids just need a little love. And on the flip side, on the flip side, something I'm gonna do, go to those retirement homes. Those elderly, so many of them have been abandoned there. And I'm about to tear up thinking about so many people just being treated badly, man. And so many of us have the ability to just shower them in godly love. And we don't do it because 
we have become a nation where we mind our own business. We tend to our own households and we don't play it forward. We don't see the corrections and the love we've been showered with. Some people have had no abuse and they've had lovely lives and they judge people for their behavior. Don't judge, help them. Stick out that helping hand. Sometimes it's gonna be financially, sometimes emotionally, mentally. Sometimes it's just a kind word. I love you if nobody else has told you. You're worthy if nobody else has told you. You're a necessity. You're a creation of God and you're meant to be. You guys, play it forward. And if you're in need and you're listening to this, there's a reason you're listening to this. I play it forward. If you need a good word, inbox me, email me. I'm even going to start giving out a phone number people can call me at. Just not today. But I'm going to. I'm going to. It just won't be my personal number. But email me. My friend Paula, she has a, um, a group uh, uh, on Facebook. I'm sorry. It's, it's um, where you can go and she speaks biblically. You know, if you want to be a part of that, it's called the family group. But if you want to be a part of it, let me know. And I will send you the information. It's good, you guys. I'm going to end with this today. During that walk, I didn't know another reason I needed to come home was for this podcast. And as soon as I thought, well, should I do the podcast? A song started playing in my ear. And it's called Thank You For It All by Marvin Sapp. And the words are, I thank you for it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, great and small. The times of victory and when I fall, I'm so grateful that I'm still standing tall. I thank you for my tears. The pain helped me overcome my fears. You've been good to me down throughout the years and it's a miracle that I'm still standing here. All that I am is because of, of all that you brought me through. And everything I've survived is because of you. Remember those words, you guys. You survive because of him. Now play it forward. If nobody else tells you today, I love you. You're beautiful. You're kind. You're worthy. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to me today. And I do apologize that this was so long. I had no idea. But... I do what I'm led to do. All right. Have a great day.